We're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter, thir- uh, chapter 33, verse 18. Deuteronomy 33, verse 18. Now, I'm going to be reading this morning from the New Living Translation. That's the NLT. Thank you for smiling. <laughs> you guys have amazing smiles. I just want you to sit right there every time. Because, like, <laughs> the pastor needs a smile sometimes. Because sometimes it's just a lot of grumpy faces after I say what I got to say. You know what I mean? All right. Okay. You see how this morning's going to go, don't you? <laughs> I feel like the Lord has something for us this morning. Specifically, I feel like the Lord was sharing something with me about some things going on. And we're going to talk about in Deuteronomy. We're going to pray trusting that God's going to provide. We're going to pray trusting God's going to provide. We've been talking about prayer And a few weeks ago, I would highly, highly recommend, if you have not been able to uh, be with us, maybe it's your first time, maybe you've missed a few weeks, go back on YouTube, and YouTube's probably the best way to do it. Um, It's probably where the the best um, archive of all of our messages are. You can watch a few weeks back and get a handle on what we've been talking about. But primarily, a handful of weeks ago, I gave you some homework, and it was number one, simply to go out and identify one thing that you need prayer for. And then the bonus challenge was identify something that someone around you needs prayer for. And then we began talking about how we were going to approach these prayer requests, these needs, these things that we are carrying in our hearts. In fact, what I used was I used this this picture that they're going to put up of the nation of Israel moving through the desert. Moses had taken the nation of Israel and gotten them out of slavery in Egypt and was moving them through the desert, through the wilderness, on this journey to a land that God had promised them. And what we see here is we see a picture of the nation of Israel as they camped. And you'll notice immediately that they camped in the form of a cross and the tabernacle is where God was. And so we have the nation of Israel camping as a cross with God at the center. And specifically... We've been focusing on the camp of Judah, these three tribes. Now, these three tribes are comprised of Judah. They're going to throw up another slide here. We have Judah, number one. We have Issachar, and we have Zebulun. And, when, and they're going to leave it up here for a second because I'm going to talk <clears throat> about it. When the nation of Israel would break camp and move out, they would always move with Judah moving first. So the first tribe that would move in the nation of Israel was Judah. And Judah represents praise. So we talked about how when we pray, we're going to pray with praise first. When we pray, we're going to pray with praise first. God, thank you for who you are. For no other reason but because you are who you are. And the second thing that happened is Issachar would follow praise, and Issachar represented wisdom. So we're going to go with praise. We're going to praise God first and foremost as we pray. And then we're going to ask for wisdom. The, our, the, probably the biggest thing that we want to do is we immediately want to ask God, God, we praise you. Now, can you fix our problem? But we're not going to ask God to fix the problem. We're going to say, God, give us wisdom. Give us insight. Give us wisdom. And last week I talked about this need, this deep need that I think we have in our society for godly wisdom. Because it is true, we can have uh, human wisdom, There's a lot of wise people. You can read great books that provide great human wisdom. But it's not godly wisdom. We need godly wisdom right now. 
And today we're going to be talking about this third tribe that we're going to proceed in our prayers with praise first, ask for wisdom, what we talked about last week, and we're going to follow it up with the tribe of Zebulun who represents trusting God will provide. Let's read Deuteronomy 33:18. It says Moses said this about the tribes of Zebulun and Issachar. Now he's speaking about their future. This is important for us to know. Moses is speaking about the future of these tribes. These tribes weren't experiencing this yet. He said, may the people of Zebulun prosper in their travels. May the people of Issachar prosper at home in their tents. They summon the people to the mountain to offer proper sacrifices there. They benefit from the riches of the sea and the hidden treasures in the sand. Now we're going to talk about three things today as it, as it pertains to provision because we're going to focus on God's provision. We have to trust that God will provide. And when it comes to provision, we're going to talk about these three things. Provision is a promise. Provision is an expectation. And provision requires trust. Provision requires trust. So number one, provision is a promise. Just like Moses was speaking in Deuteronomy about the future of Zebulun, they hadn't walked into the things that Moses was declaring over them, but he was declaring the blessings of their future over them in their today. And just like Moses was, in Genesis 49, 13, we see Zebulun's father, Jacob, blessing them with their future, their preferred future, but they weren't living in it yet. And that a lot of times is where we're at when we're walking through life. We're praying for something. We're not living in the results of that prayer request yet. We're not living in God's provision of that yet, but yet he has provided. Are you following me? So Jacob says something very similar. He says, Zebulun will live by the seashore and become a haven for ships. His border will extend toward Sedan. Zebulun in this picture represents provision. I call them the resourced tribe. Why do I call them the resourced tribe? Because in Deuteronomy, Moses speaks over their future and says, they benefit from the riches of the sea and hidden treasures in the sand. How do they benefit from the riches of the sea? Let's look at Jacob's blessing. Zebulun will live by the seashore and become a haven for ships. They become a port. They become, that tribe takes land that sits at a port. So all the riches coming across the sea come through ports. You can look historically at any city, any region in the world that ever existed that was a port city, and it was always a place that was well-resourced. There was a tremendous amount of wealth. Why? Because everything coming through that port, it was a pass-through, and money was exchanging hands, and wealth was gained. Zebulun was the one who, who basically owned this territory of the port. It means that they were the pass-through, that these resources passed through their hands, and they become very wealthy. They were resourced. The word Zebulun, the name, means elevated dwelling. Elevated dwelling. 
Ephesians 2, 6, it says, and God raised us up. Now I'm going to stop right there. In Ephesians 2, it says, and God raised us up. This idea with elevated dwelling has more to do with an elevated mindset and spirit than it does an elevated physical dwelling. So when I look at my own life, I spent a lot of years trying to elevate my mindset. And I want an elevated thought process. So what we do is we, I, I want to elevate my mind so I'm going to get more money. I'm going to get more power. Maybe I use substances. Maybe I use alcohol or drugs. Or I turn to my sexuality. I, I, I turn to just chasing more and more education, thinking if I can just get more information and elevate my mindset that somehow in that achievement, I'm putting myself in a different position and I'm providing for myself better. I'm, I'm going to gain more provision. And the problem with that is no matter how much I try to elevate my own mind, I'm never going to elevate myself to the place that God has actually created for me. And God has an elevated dwelling for you and I. So let me finish this. And God raised us up with who? Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That God takes us, no matter what's going on in the natural, no matter what's going on physically around us. Can I tell you that sometimes when things are going really tough around us physically, what we want to do is escape and elevate our mindset, and that's when we turn to these things. I want my thoughts to be higher than my circumstances. And God says, the way that I've created for you to get above your circumstances, maybe while you stand in them, maybe while you're still walking in that wilderness place, the way I've created is to give you my son, Jesus Christ. And because of his death, and because of his resurrection, and because where he sits, you are now seated with him. And so I'm elevating the place that you can live in your mind, because I want to tell you something. Where you believe you sit in your mind is going to determine more than where you sit physically. God wants to transform our minds. And he's informing us about something right here. That we are raised up with Christ and seated with him in heavenly realm. So God has provided our greatest need of resource in this. His son, Jesus Christ. There, there are a million needs that you're going to have in life, but I'm going to tell you the number one need that you have, whether you realize it or not. In fact, I want to tell you right now, there is something built into you and I to try to elevate our dwelling. Every parent says about their children, I want my children to have more than I had. I, I, I want my ceiling to be my children's floor. What are we doing? We're trying to create a legacy of elevated dwelling. So there's something built into us as humans that's proof that there's a God that exists, that he put that in us. But the problem is, is we try to elevate ourselves, and he says, no, you need to come to me as your provision, and I will elevate your dwelling spiritually, and I will elevate your dwelling physically. 
Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all. Can you turn to somebody right now and say all? Now, I need you to be more convincing, not to me, but to yourself. I need you to turn to someone else and say all. I want you to turn to somebody and say, not something, but all. Not sometimes, but all the time. All right, so I'm going to say this, and I need you to preach back to me, okay? This is what this is. And my God will meet some of your needs. What? Now you're preaching. This is important for us to understand. That God doesn't pick it. He's not like, well, you know, I'll meet these. And, you know, if you look pretty enough on the outside... You know, if, you, if, you're ra- if you're wrapped up in those secret things that no one else can see because I don't want to look bad, this is, this is not God's mentality. He's like, no, I'm going to take every single, all of your needs, and I'm going to provide for them. And he started with his son, Jesus. In fact, it says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of whose glory? His glory. In Christ Jesus. And here's a fact. When you put your faith, when you place your life, when you trust God as your provider and you place that in his hands, God commissions himself. He actually can't go against his own character. That the moment that that happens, he is fully committed because of his character and nature and he never changes to provide, to protect, and to care for you as a follower of Jesus. It's in his nature. I can tell you as a husband and as a dad, it's in my nature to be to have this, this deep feeling of a, of a provider. Like, men, can I get an amen that have, that have children? Somebody in this house. You could have, I'm going to tell you, this is the strangest thing. I'm going I'm to admit that I could have $10 million in the bank to, like tomorrow. If you'd like to make that happen, let me know. I got seven daughters. That's at least seven weddings. That's probably more than $10 million. I'm totally joking. Please understand my humor. There's some, I can have all that money in the bank, and there's this, I would wake up in the morning as a husband and as a dad, I'm going to tell you something. Guys, you know what I'm about to say. You know it. You're going to wake up in the morning and go, I don't know if that's enough. I got to go out today, and I got to make something happen. Am I right? Yeah, you dads in the room are like, amen. Do you know what we're displaying? We're displaying the nature of our heavenly father. Now the problem comes in is if we want to take control of that provision. It's him who supplied all of our needs. And godly provision is a promise to those who follow him. The best thing I can do is be a follower of Jesus because God has a promise to provide. Number two, provision is an expectation. Psalm 5.3, it says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. Now, hold on a second. I love it. Would it be in our best interest, like the psalm says, that the first thing in the morning that God hears, that the first thing out of my mouth in the morning is my expression to God for the day? I was getting ready this morning, and I'm in the shower, and I get done, and I'm coming out of, 
our bathroom area into our, our uh, bedroom area, and my one-year-old was asleep. When I got in the shower, the one-year-old was asleep. And as, as I'm coming out, I hear her saying, ow, ow, ow. And as I appear into the room, my wife was simply running her fingers through her hair. And her only expression, even though she was getting it wrong, was ow. Can I tell you that as a father, there's nothing sweeter than hearing the voice of my child expressing themselves first thing in the morning? Even when she didn't express it correctly. Hold on a second. You need to get up in the morning and not worry about if you express it wrong. The Father loves to hear the sweetness of your voice in the morning. And if all you can wake up and say is, ow, that's how he responds. So you need to write that down. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait. What's the word? Expectantly. With expectation. Expectantly. I'm going to define this. To lean forward as if to peer off into the distance. To lean forward as if to peer into the future. It means to await, to observe, to look up, to keep watch, to be a watchman on a tower, looking out for the thing that you've been promised that's coming and awaiting its time of arrival. It's like sitting, you ever watched a movie and you're like, the plot's getting really thick and you're starting to feel the tension of the storyline and you're like, oh, here, and you, you find just, you, you know, you find yourself, when it, when it started, you were like, you were like this, like, mm, this is all right. Mm-hmm. But you know, as the storyline starts cooking up, what happens? Oh no, he didn't. Did you did you see that? I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I know. oh God, don't look. Why did I oh What are you doing? You're peering into the future of a storyline, knowing what's coming and expecting that that is going to make true on its promise. Are you praying the same way? Are you praying, sitting back, arms crossed, like, (sighs) (laughs) or are you like, God, I praise you. Man, that makes me sit up a little bit straighter. God, give me wisdom. And now, I'm going to lean in. I'm going to peer into the future. And I'm going to hold on to that vision that you've given me for a preferred future until its time of arrival has made itself known. I'm praying with expectation. Are you leaning in? You know the word faith means to lean on. We need to lean in with this deep faith. It's like, I'm, I know what's going to happen. 
because my dad said so. Expectation in that case is what I call prophetic. It is not prescriptive. Here's what I mean. When I'm leaning in to what God has said he has for me, and I'm looking into the future, prophetic, I'm speaking a word about my future that God has existing already in his heart, but I have not seen yet. Expectation is prophetic, but too often we make our expectation prescriptive. God, I'm going to lean in, and I'm going to tell you I'm leaning in prophetically, but now I want to tell you prescriptively how it is that you're going to provide for me. And did you know that if I could provide for myself, there would be no need for Jesus, and there would be no need to be praying and asking for God to help? Because I will have helped myself. Are you with me? This is good stuff, huh? <laughs> so here's our prayer. We're like, God, I'm leaning in. We begin saying things like, God, I'm leaning forward to peer into what you have for me, not my prescription of what I would have for myself. And I also want to tell you, God's provision, his way of doing things is so much better than our own. In my life, I knew that God needed to soften my heart. I had a hard heart. You know pain and hurt does that? Let me tell you something. Pain and hurt not alone does that, but holding on to that pain and hurt called bitterness does that. And I needed a soft heart. So God, would you soften my heart? Have you ever prayed this prayer? God, give me patience. That is a dangerous prayer. If you pray for patience, God's going to bring you something that's going to make you feel really impatient so that you can learn what? Patience. That's just my warning. (laughs) Warning, warning, warning. God, soften my heart. God, I'm like, God, soften my heart. I'm just a jerk, capital J, capital E, capital, R, capital K, jerk. I had some other words that I would call myself. But I probably get some letters and emails. Yeah, I never, I never would have guessed that the way God would soften my heart is to bring me a wife. And then add on top of that, seven females that I would call my own. People say, don't you want a son? I said, no, because my prayer was that God would soften my heart. And seven is the number of completion, and I feel like God has completed the thing that he needs to. I just need to walk in it. Isn't that true? Whatever your prayer request is, is, you have to be willing to allow God. You walk, you, you lean in with expectation, God, that you're going to do this. But God, I know your way is better than mine. Because softening my heart might have looked way different. But he gave me these beautiful seven daughters and this amazing wife. And then as of late, added my 86-year-old mother-in-law. I live with nine women. Let me tell you something. That's going to soften your heart. And it's going to put you buying some chocolate ice cream and all kinds of goodies 
at the risk of your life if you don't. Can all the women say amen? Yeah. Isaiah 55, 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So, God, I want your thoughts. I'm praying with expectation. I'm leading forward into what you have for me, and I want your thoughts. I don't want my thoughts. Provision is an expectation. Lastly, provision requires trust. Trust is just faith. It's belief. Do you trust? Do you have faith? Do you believe that God is going to provide for you? Matthew 6, 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, listen, are you, God's like speaking to you as an individual right now, are you not much more valuable than the flowers, than they, the flowers and the birds? Isn't your life more valuable Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Sometimes the best way to understand something, you have to understand the opposite. So I just wanted to find the opposite of trust really quickly. It's worry. This is what worry is. To take thought, to be anxious, to be troubled with care. To seek to promote one's interests. See, trust has an enemy named worry. It means to be troubled, to be solely focused so much on your own needs and your inability at the time to provide for those needs that you can't stop thinking about that thing. Like, I can't, how are you doing? I just can't sleep. What's the matter? I've just been thinking so much. I've been thinking about my finances. Great. Worry-free. You need to get a hold of Dave Ramsey Plus. Guys, we... We paid out of our pocket to make it free for every single individual who wants to take this. Why? Because we believe in living a life trusting God's financial plan, his, provi- his provision. We, we, we need human wisdom into finance, but I need, king, I need kingdom wisdom. I need God wisdom. So I want to trust that because I don't want to worry about that stuff. And trust has an enemy. You can't trust and be troubled at the same time. You can't trust and be troubled at the same time. Man, I'm deeply troubled about things and how they're going, about my job, about my kids, about fill in the blank, right? I'm deeply tr- I'm deep, I'm deep troubled about, about the economy. I'm deeply troubled about the presidential race, especially after this last debate. You can't be troubled. You can't live in the troubledness and live in the trust at the same time. In fact, if you try to do so, you're going to have one foot here and one foot here. 
and it's going to split your heart and your mind, and it's going to make you what the Bible calls double-minded. It's going to give you two visions. It's going to give you a vision of taking care of yourself, and it's going to give you a vision of God being your provider. And you can't live with two visions. Two visions, the prefix is die, D-I, division. Two visions. And it will make you die. Because if you and I live without vision, we will perish. The Bible also tells us that. So we need to live in trust, not troubled. And worry, a lot of times, is just misplaced worship. Here's what I mean. A guy named Bill Johnson made that statement. Worry is misplaced worship. Here's what I mean. If I'm saying we need to be like Judah, we need to praise first. And we're like, okay, Pat, God, we got it, man. And I'm like, I'm like praise you, God. I'm going to ask for wisdom. And then I'm going to sit and I'm going to worry about it. What I'm doing is, is I'm actually praising the provision that I'm asking the provider to bring more than the provider himself. And I'm, and I'm actually praising my own personal interests more than the interests that God has for me. And we already established that God's interests for me and his ways are better than my ways. So when I worry about something, I end up worshiping something that God hasn't created me to worship. He's created me as a worshiper. He's created me to praise something. He's created me to want this deep sense of provision, but he wants us to not misplace that. And when we worry, we're misplacing that worship, and he wants us to stand in trust. And you're always going to trust whoever shows the most value to you in your life. Let me say that again. You will always trust whoever shows the most value to you in your life. Some of us don't value our own lives well enough, deep enough, strong enough to even be our most trustworthy provider. We don't even value our own being and our own life enough. We will go to great lengths and say, we need, we need the political realm to show the greatest value. We need our spouses or our children. We need our employer to show the greatest value. And I'm telling you, humans will always fail in their ability to show the greatest value for you. God is the only one who took it upon himself to put a priceless tag on your head and on my head and say, I'm going to show the greatest of value of your life. And he did it by sending his son, Jesus Christ, in the scriptures, the very book, the Bible, made up of 66 smaller books, you should read it. It's amazing. It tells us that God will go after the one sheep out of the hundred. Why? Because he values you so much. You know, he values you so much that he has your best interest in mind. He has your interest more on his mind than you even have on your own mind. Can we stop running around and asking everybody else to provide value for our lives. And can we turn to God and say, can you provide the value for my life? Because that way when someone else wants to demean me, I'm able to stand on this side of that comment and say, I know the real value of my life. And my mind is elevated because I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. And God's provision is a promise and I can sit here, I can sit on the edge of my seat like a little kid waiting. I'm waiting, I'm, I'm waiting. My daddy said it. And when my daddy says it, my daddy does what he says. So I'm sitting and I'm waiting. Here it comes. I can see it coming. 
All the stuff, the peripheral things that the enemy wants us to get caught up in is down here. We're a watchman. That word watchman is a person that sits on a tower and watches. You know why they sit on a tower? Watchmen sit on towers so they don't get, they don't get caught up in all the stuff on the forest floor. They sit up at the 30,000 foot view and they can see over all that stuff. God said, I'm elevating you. I want you to know that, that my provision is a promise and you can sit with expectation because you're able to see over that stuff. It's not that that stuff isn't happening in our lives, family. It's that we're able to look over it to see what's coming. I can see what's coming. I can see my tomorrow. I can trust. I don't need to be troubled. Are you with me this morning? Can I get personal for a second? Young lady sitting in the back, you're wearing a Muay mu Thai sweatshirt? Can, can I speak to you really quickly? I saw you walk in. You began to worship. And I felt like the, immediately I saw you begin to worship. And I was like, man, I, can't. I almost stopped and said this to you. But I felt like I need to say this to you right now. God has given you worship and praise as a warfare against the enemy. He has. You believe, like, I'm not telling you something that you don't know. I'm actually coming in an agreement. I want to encourage you in something that you already know and you've experienced in your life. When you talk about an elevated mindset and not changing the things maybe that are down here, but you're able to see what God has for you, that is you, young lady. I want you to know the promises that God has for you are yes and amen. That means yes and so be it. They've already been written. They've already been established before the foundations of the earth were created. Before you were woven together perfectly, he created you to be a weapon of warfare in worship and in praise. So I bless that very gift in you. I bless the gift of worship and prayer. I bless the fact that you're willing to go to grappling lengths. You want to stand and go fist to fist? You want to take it to Muay Thai? I'll take it to whatever, I, I'll take it to whatever level I have to devil, but not today, devil. I'm ready to fight, and I'm going to fight with praise and worship. Amen? Amen. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Do you trust it? Here's the question. Do you trust it? Do you trust the Word of God? Do you trust that He is your provider? that it's a promise, that you can sit at the edge of your seat and you can, you can sit with that expectation. Do you trust it? Are you letting God meet your needs or are you just trying to provide for yourself here this morning? This is where the rubber hits the road, family. Do you trust that God is your provider of, what's the word? I'm going to let you guys preach this. Do you trust God as your provider of? Not sometimes, all, all things. Do you trust it? Let's stand. If this morning you realize, man, there's some holes in my life, maybe Maybe not as a complete whole part of me, but maybe there's parts of my life that I'm not fully trusting God, that he's going to supply all my needs in those areas. Or maybe it's with my life in general. I don't know where that's at. I don't know on the spectrum where you're at. But if that's you this morning, I want you to simply do this. We've been using this exercise the last handful of weeks. 
I just want you to open your hands up like you're receiving something. You could do this right where you're at in our online campus. If you're watching this back during the week, you can do this right where you're at. Take a second, pause. I want you to ask this question. God, can you give me insight into these things so that I can sit on the edge of my chair and lean forward and peer into the vision that you have for me. That I can praise you as I'm praying. I can ask for wisdom and insight. And as I get that insight, now I'm going to trust. I'm going to lean forward. I'm going to trust that promise. And it's coming. Now you're going to want to join us the next two weeks. Because one of the biggest areas of tension is when you pray for something and you have to wait for it. So what do you do in the waiting? How long do I wait? And the week after that, we're going to talk about when God does answer your prayer, what do you do with the provision that he's given you? God is the God of making possible what man says is impossible. And we are going to trust our provider. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said amen and amen.